Welcome to episode 400 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is October 27th, a Thursday afternoon. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Eno Sayers. Eno, how you doing? I am doing good. It's a little weird because I have a little more time on my hands and um, I kind of, you know, look around. I have, like, bad movies on, so I've been, I watched, like, the Rollerball remake. Um, how was that? Terrible. Terrible, terrible, really terrible. Bad. I watched. Uh, yeah, cool I've been watching terrible it, movies too. It's it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, I have movie channels. I think my my year of getting them at a discounted or whatever price runs out soon. But uh, they've been you know kind of popping up. I can use Time Warner on my iPad, and it defaults to a, a, one of the one of the fifty two Cinemax movie channels. So I watched uh, Hitman the other day. It was terrible. Hitman. Hitman, based on the video game. Uh, Terrible, but watchable. Terrible that reminds me of, uh, I watched a Ving Rhames movie where they were all assassins, and uh, it was like some sort of tournament. <laughs> An bad. assassin. Well, and then I watched a movie that I'd never heard of uh, from Vince Vaughn called Term Life. He was like a crook who was trying to go straight for his daughter, of course, but then oh, she right. gets in on the mix. Oh. Uh, and it, was, it wasn't great, but I, I watched it, and I'll <laughs> probably amazing watch... How, it's amazing how hard it is to get a movie done, and then the kind of ones that do get made. I, right? I, I was at my reunion this weekend, and I met up with an old friend who writes for movies, and he says he sold, like, I don't know, <clears throat> ten scripts already. None of them had been made. They're all just uh, in development. And, uh, you know, he's still making a living and still, you know, thinks that, you know, any day he could he could make it. And um, well, and, but, and then like two will pop, you know, if things can go perfectly or, or, you know, break for him, two of them pop into huge movies. And it's like, did you see his first nine that never got, you know, they never got <laughs> off the ground like it, that is a business that yeah. is not easy. And you I'm just not, if you don't have the resilience yeah, uh, in that, that entertainment, one. whether it's writing or performing, it's it's not. There's plenty work. of resilience needed uh, in this in this industry because you have to spend a, a while writing on any blog that'll have you your and, own uh, with your nine Twitter followers. Yeah, and you you uh, pump out your starting pitcher guide in the first couple of years. You know, uh, five people buy it just because they feel <laughs> sorry for you. And, you <laughs> oh, know. my sister bought two. Thanks, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, and uh, you know you just have to keep on some level you just have to keep doing it, and if you're doing something interesting enough, you'll you'll slowly get there. But the at least the feedback is sort of immediate. You'll gain more Twitter followers, you'll see more readers, you'll mm-hmm. write for better places eventually. But in that one, it seems like the, everyone in LA is lying to each other. And of course. Oh, that was a great script. Well, why didn't you make it? I, I, you know, it was it was oh, it was it was too great. Right now, it was too great. It was actually with too us, good. I didn't want to be part of too good of a project. With us, we'll get we'll have trolls. They'll yell at us. So you know that's not as much fun. But um, at least no one's uh, puffing smoke up our butts. So that's true. And, I guess but I agree. Uh, the, there's the resilience even. is needed. There's news on a couple fronts. There is news, and and again, well, one. Episode... Let me let me ruin. Let me not ruin. You got one new piece of news. I got one piece of news. It's about you. Uh, you are now, I don't know what the title is. Let's make you editor of Rotographs. And, uh, oh, Ricky Tun Airhorn. Nice. What's up? <laughs> 
Somebody uh, starts full-time next week. Full-time, and uh, just in time for uh, another thing that you might be able to get on board with, especially if you're, if you're in Arizona. We're going to be at the, the Fall League uh, next weekend for First Pitch Arizona, and that's a lot of fun. We go to the Arizona Fall League uh, All-Star Game and do a lot of fancy stuff. And um, Even if I'd... you can't make Baseball HQ's first pitch forms which is the main reason that we go there it's fantasy baseball it's basically fantasy baseball con you know there's a con for everything comic con santa con francesa con this is fantasy baseball con and it's awesome even if you can't make that but you are in the area to get to arizona the phoenix area for like the rising stars game or one of the off games that we go to on the thursday friday uh, of that next of next weekend I really recommend it. It's a great way, to, first off, to get your baseball fix right after the baseball season ends. Get you that one last fix that hopefully tides you over for the winter. Because it's going away, folks. The, the longest oh, that it so can go sad. is till n- next Thursday, right? And then or all next Wednesday. All you'll have is rollerball. All you'll have is rollerball and Hitman. And the Hitman <laughs> uh, sequel, which is called Agent 47 or something, which I did look up. Here's one thing I do. I don't know if you do this. When I'm watching terrible movies, any movie, really. As I'm watching it, I, I, I want to learn about the people in it or like what, 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 how it was made or like where it was shot. I start getting on IMDb and Wikipedia and I get all these stupid facts that are completely unnecessary. For example, another movie I watched, I didn't put it in our bad movies because I actually like this movie a little bit, called She's Out of My League. Oh, yeah. Um, you I kind of like that one. Yeah, but pretty pretty good little rom com sort of deal, and 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 a good movie kind of about like self esteem and and probably you know a, a commentary against talking about leagues and stuff like that. But it's funny to go watch it now, six years after it was made, and see some of those people have really come up. But one thing I learned the uh, the female lead Alice Eve, the beautiful Alice Eve, has the same not I don't want to say ailment. It's not an ailment. Same quirk. That Max Scherzer has hetero, oh. heterochromia, which is two different colored eyes. See, I, I learned stupid facts like I that. I actually paused the screen while he was pitching to show my son that he had two different colored it's, eyes. I remember when I first discovered it. You know, MLB TV uh, when the Tigers had them when they first got them. You know, and I'm watching the game, and I'm like, this guy has two different colored eyes. Like, I, I, I swear it, but I don't know for sure. It wasn't really on the internet yet because he was he was just kind of coming up. And, you know, you're, you're pausing. Like you said, you're pausing every, every second. Is that – oh, oh that, okay, that's a blue and a brown eye. That's a blue and a green eye. or I, I don't know what his two colors are, but it was clearly two different colored eyes. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, Alice Eve also has hetero, heterochromia. I believe that's what it's called. But, uh, yeah, if you want to learn any other stupid facts about a movie that's on TV right now, just have me watch that movie. And especially if it's on network TV where there's commercials, which this was, this was on VH1, I'm definitely going to be on the Wikipedia and IMDb <laughs> learning the most useless trivia possible. <laughs> what to do between, between frames. Uh, and then I guess there's another piece of news. Uh, what episode number is this? It's episode four. Hundred, y'all, come on! I mean, that's huge. Pew, 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 let, me them, let me get them horns again. I'm, they're coming. They're coming. <laughs> oh, nice! Get sued for that, I'm sure, but I don't know who's going to sue us. Who actually owns that? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. And and by the way, you don't know if we did that with our mouth or if it, right. I that found was completely a little clip on YouTube. homemade. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, episode 400. Pretty great. You know, I, I can't remember the first one that I've been here for, but I've been here for a lot of them. So it feels good to be part of episode 400. Shout outs uh, to uh, 
<clears throat> what have we we've had uh, Mike Podhortzer, Nick Minix. and Nick Minix uh, yep. were 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 co-hosts on this. So and we fired Jason Collette. He's no longer part of the. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> oh yeah, he, Jason Collette, Collette obviously uh, on the Sunday episode. The three of us will be doing an episode together in Arizona. We're thinking about. By the way, other news kind of tacked on to that to the Baseball HQ uh, first pitch forum news. We're going to be trying to do some Facebook Live stuff out there as well. Mm-hmm. You did a Facebook Live yesterday talking about the pitching matchup, which was really I cool. Sh- I showed everyone my beer fridge, but the problem was I didn't you really tilt the phone right. So. Facing it the right. It didn't so quite, it didn't quite pan out. Hey, trial run. First <laughs> run. We'll, we'll, we'll get it figured out in Arizona. It's going to be fun. Uh, we're going to be on Snapchat as well. I know August Fagerstrom took over the Fangraph Snapchat yesterday, and he's running it through the World Series because he lives out in Cleveland. Um, we're going to see about getting getting a hold of the Fangraphs Snapchat while we're out there in Arizona. And you can also follow me, Peace4. Uh, we'll have both running, and it'll be great. So if you can't make it out but you still kind of want to follow, keep an eye out on our Twitters for Facebook Live stuff and, of course, Snapchat. Oh, so, oh, oh breaking news. Breaking news. We can't do an air horn. Yeah, there, that's right. That's off the wire. Breaking news. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is heading out to left field with a glove in his hand. You know, that fits perfectly because that was the question of the day. And now it's obviously (laughs) answered because I was going to ask, should Kyle Schwarber play the field? So instead, I'll ask, what are your thoughts on Kyle Schwarber playing the field? Obviously, he had to be medically cleared. But what's just your opinion on it? Well, you know, there was a really interesting piece by Dave Cameron about how relievers allow... <laughs> relievers allow fewer balls in play, so there is an argument, and there's more relievers being used in the postseason. There's actually an argument to reverse the sort of um, defensive replacement idea, and oh. uh, to have like Hayward out there at, um, at the beginning when the, the your starter, you know, your Hendricks is going to allow more balls in play than the guys that come behind. Almost him, by so. design. I yeah. mean, he gets he gets some K's, but he's not. You know, fourteen like uh, like some of those relievers out there, Chapman exactly. and whatnot. So you put Hayward out there at the beginning, and then you then you can also really highly leverage Kyle Schwarber's uh, at bat, and you can First make sure bat, yeah. that he either faces a, a lefty uh, or somebody who you know features a, a pitch type that he likes. Or oh, he's a righty because yeah, he is yeah, a lefty. Yeah. So make yeah, sure you can he get faces him in. a righty. And um, you know, do it at uh, a time when you really need him, and you know that Joe Madden is the um, is the king of the double switch. You know, so you know he could, you know he could, you know, do something where he brings in Schwarber and um, you know uh, hides him and you know you know puts the reliever in. And, and anyway, th- I really like that. I'm not going to lie because you know I was going to bring up uh, a Rod. Posited something that he called his three and three, which was three at bats for for Schwarber and then three innings of defensive replacement for Hayward. This essentially flips it, but yeah. I really like that. Like that makes sense. I I, I bet he'd be open to it if he kind of knew the data behind the relievers allowing fewer balls in play well, that Schwarber could mess up on. There's the thing that throws a wrinkle in it is just that um, you don't know how the game is going. So. If you get ahead, but you know, still a, a run scored or a run prevented is a run scored or a run prevented, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's um, it almost doesn't matter. They could go up three, put in defensive replacement Hayward, uh, give up three anyway to plays that weren't anywhere close to Hayward, um, and then you know and be then lacking have his bat instead of Schwarber. Yeah, so um, you know, so I, I, and then on top of that, uh, I don't think that Kyle Schwarber looks a hundred percent running. 
I mean, I've I've watched some of his videos from the Arizona Fall League. Eric Longenhagen, our mm-hmm. prospect guy, uh, was scouting him down in the Arizona Fall League. Who and, we're also going to be talking with in Arizona. Just I, I know I keep promoting everything, but we're going to get an interview <laughs> with him hopefully. And he's and he's like he's had to run. And it's not that. Um, well, first of all, it's kind of hard to tell <laughs> when he's bad because. Um, <laughs> because his good running isn't exactly <laughs> yeah, right. that special. <laughs> yes. But um, I did watch him on the play. I think wasn't he the guy, or was it Rizzo? Somebody uh, misread a play to center and uh, overran second and would have been thrown out at, at, at second, except Rajai Davis overthrew second. I think it was Schwarber. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or was that Rizzo? Oh, I can't remember. Well, can't anyway... Remember. Um, there's been a couple times where I feel like he's looked ginger. And, you know, they want the bat, so even if he doesn't start and left, they they want him, you know, for more than one plate appearance. So they're definitely going to want to put him out there at some point. So that's why he's going to shag fly balls today, and that's why he's going to do it. And I do think that, you know, the flip side of this is I do think he's going to be their starting left fielder next next year. Yes. And, uh, I, but I also think that, you know, six months right after and after, you know, a really bad, I mean, it was an, it was a defense, like it was out in the outfield. Oh, it was a nightmare. Like, yeah, uh, I can still vividly recall that play and it, 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 it did not go well. I mean, I, I don't know that it was this inexperienced outfielder. That's why it happened. He's an idiot more so than that's some pretty bad, you know, luck, but Either well, way, you, know, you slice he was, it. He was feeling was, better then because, you know, it was pre-injury. So I, I think what happened there was that he went hard and Fowler went hard and they didn't hear each other or something. So, exactly. You know, it was like uh, kind of one of those situations. And maybe in this situation, he'll because he's, you know, closer to this injury, he'll actually just let the ball drop instead of getting hurt, which, you know, could be bad for the game, but better for keeping him around. Um, any case, that, that's a lot of... Uh, we're we're uh, we're now projecting you know where balls are going to land, but um, in any case, uh, it looks like they're going to play. I think next year he's definitely going to play in left field. I think this team teammates have been talking about he's the leader of the the squad. Uh, you can see uh, they didn't give up Schwarber for Andrew Miller, which um, you know Andrew Miller got uh, Clint Frazier, so I, I think Clint Frazier is a level below Kyle Schwarber because mm-hmm. he hasn't shown it in the big leagues yet. But um, uh, they just—they didn't give that. They didn't do that trade. That—that that, that means that the team thinks highly of him on some level. They think more highly of him than like a Clint Fraser. And then I think you know, just watching uh, them watch him from the stands, like watching Theo watch him from the stands. I—I I don't think they're going to trade him. I, I think that like you know, they traded Vogelbach. They traded their DH only minor league guy. But I don't think the, you know they. There's just been too many stories floating around about. People saying, oh, "Oh, like we wanted to draft Kosh Wober, we weren't sure what position he was, and the you know the Cubs deserve all the credit to know how special that bat is, and everyone's talking mm-hmm. about how special his bat is, and how you know how much he adjusted the plate and stuff like that." So, I'm uh, with you. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. I, I, I think I'd, Jorge I'd be, I'd be Soler really had such a mediocre season, even when he was in, like it was okay, but not not great. I think Jorge Soler is tradable. And, I agree, and uh, and still has value enough to where it won't be some crazy sell low. I think it, it could even be one of those where we get maybe a little bit surprised by what the return is, and then we have to step back and realize that he's twenty five years old. 
has just over a full season under his belt of of 107 OPS plus. This is Solaire I'm talking about 765. Oh yeah, like I'm still so, interested in him. I, yeah, I there, still there, think there's still going to be plenty of love for him and locked up through 20 at very affordable prices. Two point, uh, excuse me, 3.6 mil the next. One, uh, next year and then 4.6 or 4.7 if you round up the three years after that so still yeah. very affordable and uh appealing i think jorge soler will be on the market and i think it's going to be an active trade market because the free agent pool is it's is relatively bad. weak yeah and you know i think that they'll they always are after pitching and you know when you think about the the different parts of this team and how it's going to fit together next year I think Baez has played himself into a full-time job. And, um, you know, that means the infield is... And I think Baez has the defensive skills of an infielder. I don't think he's necessarily, you know, a straight-line runner and a guy you want... I mean, he he has speed, but I don't think he's... Like, I think they've tried him in center field. I don't think he's necessarily a candidate for center field. They've tried Chris Bryant in center field before they tried Javier Baez in center field, Mm -hmm. which says something. So... You know, the one wrinkle is Bryant might end up in center, but my idea is Hayward's in center, Almora's the backup, uh, Hayward shifts over to left uh, with a lead, and Almora comes in. That's their four outfielders. Zobris is the third outfielder. And, and on the infield, it's Bryant, um, Russell, Baez, and Rizzo. And um, and that nice. means that Soler is, uh, becomes... Like, it's very hard to put him in. because And, and, and you can't let him be... A fourth out, like Almora's a he's perfect fourth outfielder. He's not going to platoon with Schwarber. You know, like Schwarber's too good to platoon. Exactly. So you're not going to, and you're not going to, you're not going to keep a guy with Solaire's talent around to be a versus lefty, a short side platoon, guy. Yeah. You know, no sometimes no in there. You know, so especially when he could bring you back a starter, or you know, they're going to lose Chapman. So you know, maybe you trade Solaire for in a package that's like, like I'm not, I don't know who it is because it's not coming to me right now but like a familiar you know it needs to be the right situation but like yeah. uh you know like uh or maybe that ne- that next guy somebody who is Kim it, it, or it, oh yeah it, maybe it, somebody we're not thinking of maybe to the mariners for for edwin diaz you know like somebody who's just barely uh shown like who's just shown enough uh, a giles like deal him. but without paying quite as much as as giles costs i think i think giles maybe not panning out completely to expectations. What, you mean they Brian can, Giles? They can point to that. What's that? Brian Giles? No, no, Ken Giles. The Ken Giles trade. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ken Giles do it. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. So, so something like that, but maybe a little bit lesser. The Cubs can point to that and say, listen, <laughs> we're not going to give you that exact haul, but we're going to give you something but good. you get Solaire. I think it could be Solaire in a tiny piece. You know, it could be, Yep. you know, you wouldn't have to add that much. I mean, if you were going to go and get like Hector Neris from the Phillies, mm-hmm. they'd love to get Solaire for Neris, you know? Exactly. So uh, I, I so. think there's something there if they don't re-sign Chapman or or get Jansen, and I think a lot of that's just going to depend on how these next uh, these next handful of games go that, that that they play in the World Series, which we will talk about more in a moment. But this is a World Series sandwich, so the meat here, the middle, is uh, is some news. We got some we got some off season news starting to percolate here. That free agency market that I told you about that is going to be a little bit light is definitely going to have at least one giant piece. And we knew this was going to happen. It's a bit of a formality. Uh, but we do know that UNS Cespedes is going to opt out. And, you know, I know their season didn't finish the way the way that they had expected or, or hoped in, in New York. But I have to feel that this Cespedes deal went as well as it could have gone for everything that they can control, right? They gave him the deal with the opt-out. 
give us another year like last year, which he did. He wasn't New York level for the entire year, but he was he emulated his entire 2015 throughout all of 2016, essentially, uh, save the DL stint. And outside of that, okay, now you have the opt-out. He's going to opt-out. Let somebody else pay for the rest of his 30s and figure it out elsewhere. Or do you think the Mets re-sign Cespedes here at another deal? <laughs> there's, sorry, there's one more update because this Uh-oh. Schwab watch continues. <laughs> Schwab watch 2016. He, he stood in the outfield and socialized. He tracked but did not chase fly balls. That may or may not be him out there. <laughs> this wow wow here's the update but it also might not be him. <laughs> no but other other guys that. are saying that that was um gabe lax lax i think at um at uh, usa today but then bruce miles local guy says no fly balls taken by schwarber he hung out with his teammates in the field so i think maybe he's not playing today Yo, i think that's a more reasonable catch maybe he'll he'll go out there but if he didn't even track a fly ball maybe he's just a pinch hitter so I could uh, hang out. In back to Yo. It is interesting. Uh, by like a straight, you know, wins above replacement to dollars, um, they they basically just paid the going rate. Yeah, like twenty five million. So it would have been a bad deal to give him like a hundred million for four years because uh, you would expect the, him to go down from here. Exactly. So exactly. last year remains a peak year. I mean, that run he had with the Mets was insane. Like, he had been good with the Tigers, Cespedes was, but and then he just took off to another level. And again, this year was essentially a repeat of what he did all told between Detroit and New York. Very quality season. They made the playoffs. It didn't, like I said, didn't go as planned. A lot of it because the pitching uh, broke down. That that hitting was really clicking for them in the end, especially with the power. They ran into to Bumgarner. You know, they got everything they could have out of, uh, out of Syndergaard. It just didn't work. I think you regroup and, and, and go elsewhere. You, you, you took the extra year here. I thought when they signed the deal with the one-year opt-out, it was it was good because I, I felt confident that, that he would have another great year, and he did, and, of course, he was going to opt out with it. Let, let somebody else sign those years that are going to have some decline. I mean, statistically, we just know that that's, that's what's going to happen. Obviously, he could break the statistical trend, but if you're trying to map things out, which is the best you can do when you're signing contracts, the numbers tell you let somebody else get 31 through 35 or whatever, however many years of a deal Cespedes is going to sign. So with, with that framework, with them moving elsewhere, let's just say for the sake of, of this part of the discussion – what do they do? Where, where do the Mets go? Do they dip into the market? Do they have enough outfield uh, already percolating for them with, with Conforto and Nimmo and Granderson? I mean, doesn't sound like an amazing outfield, but uh, and they have Bruce for another year. So Bruce, Granderson, Conforto, that's, that's still the three lefty situation and not a true center fielder. What do you think about the Mets outfield? Where, where are they going to go now? You know, I think this is actually, I think they're in the right place right now to actually spread that money around. I think I would let him go because they need they have more needs across the across uh, the spectrum than uh, than basically the, the type of package he can bring. I and, and big, certainly, uh, you know, they don't need a, a, a corner outfielder. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's basically what I'm saying. So I, and, I, and I'm a big Michael Conforto fan. So I, I think that uh, Michael Conforto can replace a lot of what uh, Cespedes would bring. And um you know, and then you can, and he's cheap. So what you could do is take that money and go elsewhere. And you know, there's plenty of places where they could use. And I think center field is a big deal. You've got two guys coming out that are going to be really interesting, 
And I'm not sure that Can anybody... I huh? Can I guess him? Dead center? Yeah. Should be easy. Um, Ian Desmond and Carlos Gomez? Oh, I didn't even think Carlos Gomez. That That's an interesting one. Or Fowler. Depending on, yeah, Fowler. Okay, uh, he's, got that, he's got that mutual option, so I don't know. They might just keep him. Oh, they might, they might keep him, and that would change our conversation from earlier uh, and make Almora the fifth outfielder and make Solaire even more tradable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and Fowler really loves it there, so he, he might stay, especially if they, <clears throat> I think if they don't win, he might be more likely to stay. But, I agree, um, I agree, actually. Uh, so, uh, anyway, if it's Desmond, uh, it's, it, the Desmond Gomez thing is interesting because they're both athletic center fielders, not great in OBP, but they, you know, the team has some sources of OBP. Um, in uh, Duda, um, <clears throat> actually, I mean, compared wow. to his batting average, Granderson is a source of of OBP as yeah, well. Yeah, Granderson is a hundred points. Granderson and Conforto, I guess. Uh, those are the only three guys that are really actually projected to be above average in OBP on this team. <laughs> wow, uh, Walker weird. was good this year. We'll see if he holds up. <laughs> he might get and... the he might get the qualifying offer and, and stick around. Yeah. Uh, and Asdrubal Cabrera is is close to average, but that's about it. So um, that's interesting. Uh, so that might I don't know. Desmond uh, can probably put up an average OBP, uh, although I, I say that without having his page open. I think Fowler would be the best fit. I mean, he would bring that OBP. Desmond had a three thirty five OBP last OBP last year, three sixteen career projected three seventeen. So had uh, hadn't been three three thirty five tied him for his career high, which he originally set in twenty twelve. So I think and when it's you're like projecting, kind of a bad time to buy a guy too. So. Yeah, you got to have him but as Gomez a bad OBP. Gomez doesn't really necessarily help you so well there either. Nope, nope. And, Similar uh, profile. And actually, uh, amazingly, Ioannis doesn't really help you there. I mean, not not on the level. You know, not he's more of a slugging guy. Exactly, um, and you know, this year was a good spike for him. Uh, for Cespedes with a 9% walk rate, a career high. But even when you're talking about like a primary middle of the order slugger, you're really looking for double digits or higher. So 9% as his career high against a 7% average, uh, maybe he gets into the old man skills and, and starts becoming more of a walker, but you don't put Cespedes down for like a big it. OBP. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. So I don't know. I mean, I, they're kind of stuck, but I think they do need a center fielder. So maybe you go get your your uh, OBP somewhere else, and you just find like you just basically put a deal on on the table for Gomez and and Desmond, and say, you know, uh, and and Fowler or whatever, and say, you know, here's three for forty five. Uh, you know, well, surely they're off the Gomez train, right? That, I don't think you can possibly sign him sign after up after all that. Yeah. You eschewed him because of the injuries, because then anytime he gets hurt. It's going to be, well, you knew. You knew he was going to get hurt, even though things change. So it, bad, it's it's terrible. It's oh, terrible. I hope that it breeds 35 trades of of. Yeah, I mean, I think we will see a lot of trades. I mean, the only other option then is to buy a first baseman and maybe trade Duda uh, to somebody. I don't know. Uh, well, I just don't think then, that Duda has who are they going to buy there? Yeah. Napoli? Well, no, they could buy, like, they could spe- if they spend money, they could buy Edwin. Well, I was going to say, he's the big one. I'm feeling this Red Sox thing. Not that I'm a Red Sox fan, but I just, it it seems like the right fit. I think that that's going to happen. But what about like a Carlos Santana to get your OBP? The Mets are going to beat out the Red Sox. Uh, Carlos Santana has an option, though, I think. Because that gets you your OBP. I mean, that Carlos Santana has an option, though. Oh, he has an option. Excuse me. Excuse me. I thought you were saying he was an option for, you're right, $12 million option after the season that he had. 
They're going to pick that up easily, yeah, right? Mike Napoli maybe. Uh but then you're then you're uh then you're really spreading the money around. Then you get Mike Napoli, you give the QO to Neil Walker. Um you know, TJ Rivera becomes kind of like a, you know, a, a utility guy. You don't have to necessarily keep Kelly Johnson around then. Here's an idea. Do they go back to the well with the now new and improved Justin Turner and slot him at third? And then uh, Reyes, whose option they already picked up, becomes like a a, a bounce around second baseman. Guy. Right, Maybe you don't have baseman. to go with Walker at that. Then you point. don't have yeah. to do the QO. Buy Turner, uh, decent power and OBP. Uh, replace. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on David Wright has said that he feels healthy. Okay. So that would be a source okay, of OBP. Okay, David. Yeah, right. Pat's no. David on the head. Like, listen, I love David Wright. I like, know. I, I it hope like it's to so be close proven to wrong, but I just. I'm I'm penciling him in for like a hundred abs right now. Like that's just I, I just but I, I can't don't feel like good the idea. It. I mean, the problem is that the best things on the market are corner outfielders and first basemen, mm-hmm. and I just don't love the idea of of buying uh not 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 just only the best thing, but the thing that's most on the market. So the thing that there's most of and the best of is corner outfielders and um and first basemen, and I I think Lucas Duda can be fine. And he he would have the highest projected OBP on the team, um, so you know I think that's interesting with yeah. with a decent amount of power and and cheap. So I don't and I don't think he has a high trade value. So you're not going to sign someone and then trade Lucas Duda for a reliever. Yeah, would Napoli really be that much of an upgrade? No, and I, I think the answer no. is no. no. So then then yeah. you're talking about signing, um, you know, like Michael Saunders or Jose Bautista. And trading Jay Bruce, which is like after what happened with Jay Bruce, it's not going to bring you anything. No, no. Um, you know, and you get you get less for your players in the off season than you do in the, in, at the trade deadline. Exactly. So, so they're going to end up having paid Herrera more back. Yeah. than they'd get back. Yeah. So uh, I think maybe you know if if Wainis like you know loves New York like he says he does, maybe he comes back. If it's not him, people are going to be a little bit. Um, possibly upset with uh with how, what happens maybe they even can, you know sign a catcher uh, because travis darno has been hurt a lot tda uh, just cannot stay healthy i think he played through a shoulder injury this year i he uh, there's no way he didn't have some lingering yeah. effects on that like but if you, if you just, traded like if you got wilson ramos and made tda more of like a framing receiver guy that's possible speaking of okay let's use that as a transition here because i actually didn't uh put it on the on the sheet there and i meant to because news came out that he's still looking for a four to five year deal Who, even coming off of yeah wilson ramos still look eyeing a four to five year deal despite going into free agency off the acl i believe he's 30 question mark yeah. um so what what do you think about that if that were an option for the mets would would you still oh he's 29 so he's going into his age 29 season at all <laughs> what's just, that i think the mets will just not do anything uh, sit, sit on their hands a little bit more and maybe pick up some smaller pieces. Like be like Duda coming back. Uh, they'll, they'll sell it as Duda coming back, Wright coming back. Um, maybe they sign a defensive center fielder, but they have Ligaris. So maybe they sign some reliever. Maybe they sign a reliever. Maybe they sign like Jansen and say, we're doing the you know great bullpen thing or whatever. I mean, I get behind that, though. Yeah, it would be pretty oh, cool. It wouldn't be Jansen awful, yeah. The back end of a bullpen, Jesus. Yeah, so I mean that you know, and Hanser Robles is looking like a good guy to be a part of the bridge. So that's interesting. But but as far as Ramos goes, outside of maybe signing with New York, just at large, 
I is mean, he gonna get a, I think that the get a more, four to five year if, deal. If you give him four to five years, then you're getting him at like ten to fifteen per instead of, you know, well, fifteen per seems like a lot for him. What, you're gonna give him sixty million dollars? He's, yeah, but I he's mean, only once before been an above average player by war. I I just I kind of feel bad for the guy. After <laughs> such an amazing season to rip your ACL like jumping oh, God, for a yeah. throw. Like that time. sucks, man. He cuz he was going to get paid because you know I think that he's like uh, a 3 for 30 type. I I'd sign that then. Because of, I would even give him that fourth year Knowing that, that this year might be more of a half sort of year, uh, if I'm yeah, going to get him he's that miss cheap, time, isn't he? I think so. Yeah, he has to, yeah. right? I mean, there's well, no way he's going to be six months. So, oh yeah, I guess I guess it's different. And it, it, but you know, anything with like a knee, anything with a lower half as a catcher, I'm a little bit concerned. Yeah, that's true, 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 true. And, and so, he's not, and he's 29. So, so if I get that discount, I might be willing to give him the fourth year, knowing it's kind of a burn year. But but if I'm getting him at Maybe they give him the 12 qualifying per? offer. They give him the qualifying offer, and then nobody wants to sign him with the qualifying offer. So then he actually goes back to the Nets. And they just say, you know what? We'll take. Because we'll, I would totally buy him for one and fifteen. Yes. Or one and yes. 17, seventeen. Yeah, I would totally. I, I agree. Even even five months uh, for seventeen. I know that that's a lot. When you're in the position of the Nationals, and you do that. Exactly. It, it, it's a hundred percent contextual to the Nats. All right. Now, sit down for this one because I don't want you to be so stunned that you fall over <laughs> and hurt yourself. Because I know that I, I'm, this is not just advice for you. This is everyone listening. If you're driving, pull over because this is going to create a lot of crashes because of the pure shock of the fact that James Shields is not going to opt out of his contract and test the free agency market on the heels of a 558 ERA uh, or 585 ERA over 182 innings. I can't believe that. That's unbelievable. That's so that's so crazy. I mean, he put up that sparkling 677 with the White Sox. Woo-hoo. What more do folks need to see? Woo. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. so, okay, he could have opted out. He's not. And instead, the White Sox are on the hook for 21, 21. And then, of course, there's a $16 million team option in 2019. Not a chance, but that's two more mil. Um, now, they're only going to pay 10 and 10. Because 11 mil of these of these next two years is paid by the Padres, so the Padres, you know, really did pay to just get rid of it. But even at 10 mil coming out of the White Sox pocket, I wouldn't feel great about this. Is there any hope for a, a rebound to any fantasy viability? So I'm I'm even opening it up to like deep 12 team AL only leagues. Is there any chance at, at a return to fantasy viability? For James Shields on the heels of 1.5 and 2.0 homers per nine the last two years for him. Yeah. I mean, I think he's really gotten hit hard by this home run thing. Uh, it, he has to be one of the most affected by it. But then on, on top of that, you know, worst strikeout rate, worst whiff rate. Um, walk, worst walk rate, worst hit worst rate. velocity. Oh, second worst hit rate, excuse me. But, I mean, just everything falling apart here for him at age 34. And I just – I don't know that I can feel confident that just because uh, you know, he's a, a good veteran. He's going to be so cheap. I, I think, you know – He's going to be a dollar. Him, you buy him as, like, a $1 guy in AL only. I, I'd do yeah. that. I mean, look at his projection. 492, 143. Uh, 492 ERA, 143 whip. That's uh, not great. Uh, and <laughs> – 
it's drop actually probably droppable even in American League only. But it is built on 1.5 homers per nine, and his career is 1.2. So if there's any sort of change in the ball, or or you know any sort of return to regular home run. Rates. Are there any alterations he could make? Could he start? Could he start pitching backwards? Could he start kitchen sinking it and cutting down his 44% fastball rate and shifting eight percentage points of that into his changeup, I mean, yeah, for sure. curve I mean, and cutter. He throws a cutter, so you know if he's willing to live at 87 more than 90 uh, or 86 more than 90, then he can he can throw more cutters. Um, but his change is really set up by the fastball and the, 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 the velocity gap there is dropping. And Oh yeah. It, it, for shields, it was, uh, it was six miles per hour this year. And, you know, at its best, it was running nine ten. It's so funny because, you know, he's a horse. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's like never been hurt. And he has a, this whole, like, um, you know, a band thing that he does, uh, this whole, like, Shoulder threatening thing that he got from the Rays that he totally believes in, and I interviewed him like literally before it all fell apart in like early 2015 or maybe late tw- no early 2015 with the Padres. I interviewed him about his longevity and how he's managed to be great so long. And he was talking about how he you know throws the curveball more now and he has this knuckle curve and it was like <clears throat> oh yeah here's this wrinkle and even with the Padres in 2015 when it was like not as good as it was before. He had the best whiff rate of his career. Exactly. The K's really spiked. So even though it was a 391-133 ERA whip combo for Shields, you were getting a lot of K's in 202 innings. Yeah. So and that, was, that was great. That year was usable. And that's why, and that's only 2015. So that's why I would say I'd give him a chance and see if the strikeouts can't come back. It's not like his stuff is that different from 2015. And if he did give you a three nine one one three three whip with more than a strikeout per nine, that's usable in a, in AL only. That's absolutely like three four you know four maybe a four you know in the especially AL in this new power environment that we're right. in. So that's why I give him a shot. It's not that I, that I can identify exactly how it's going to happen or what he can do, uh, or that even the projections say he will do it. It's just that uh, it's come so swiftly. That I and you know he did have a five uh, five point five ERA uh, in twenty ten. Uh, I remember <clears throat> when he was twenty nine. Was it twenty nine? Is that right? And he was a huge <clears throat> rebound candidate because if you watched him, it was clear that he was better than that. Uh, but the, than that the main thing there ERA. was a one point five home runs per nine. Yep. And otherwise, you know, you know, not too far from that whiff rate that he had that year. And uh, the other thing is walk rate, which maybe he's just pitching scared at this point, and that's why um, it's all falling apart. But well, especially because it spiked with the White Sox. He was at three point six, which is not great, but it matched twenty fifteen. Yeah, that's where he was with the Padres. And, yeah, and yeah. then it spiked to four three. <clears throat> when maybe he just pulls Dan Heron and apart. says on every three one count, I don't care. I'm throwing it down the middle. I'm throwing this cutter down the middle, and uh, and half you guys are going to pop it up anyway. So. Uh, you know, there it's not impossible, and he's he's not you know thirty six, thirty seven yet. He's thirty four. There might be one more good year in there, and okay. um, we don't exactly know that he'll end up in Chicago. So there's still. I, I was going to ask you that next. Any chance they trade him? They release him, <laughs> or I mean, trade him for any like just hey, because it's only they're only paying ten mil. Keep that in mind. Like so, a team that would need a fifth starter and has a measure of confidence in him. 10 mil that you would be on the hook for if you get him from Chicago, 
is a not. I don't want to use the word appealing because it's not. Somebody appealing, asked but it's me if like Atlanta tolerable. would take him, right? Well, they they do like the, the they like to have a couple of these crustier veterans to go with their super young team, and I kind of get it, right? Well, Jim they, Johnson, they just pull the same Bud Norris thing. If they're no good and James Shields is okay, then maybe they turn him into whatever they turn Bud Norris into. So I I, I can hear that. So. <laughs> I anyway. don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see if we'll see if there's anything there. We've spent too much time on James. <laughs> yeah, Shields. probably. And we don't even have a, a solution for him. So. Let's move over to a, a a new pitcher, and we saw a little taste of this in season. It was great. It was it was uh it was a you know a little bit of a viral situation for Christian Bethencourt the day that it happened um, on baseball Twitter because it was an afternoon game when he came in to pitch and he was popping 97 with like a, a 54 mile an hour EFIS. It was pretty interesting stuff. But re- what really stood out, of course, was the 97. Like he was really bringing it. This is a, a, a catcher who's always had a great arm. Defense was supposed to carry him uh, enough to at least be you know a career backup catcher, but it's, it's just not clicking. Uh, there's just such an ineptitude of offense that he's going to pitch in the Winter League this year and maybe pull a Kenley Jansen here. And I mentioned that only because Kenley Jansen shifted from catcher. Um, not that he's necessarily going to throw one of the best cutters ever. But with that kind of heat, how appealing is this for the for the Padres that they might be having uh, a, a new strong reliever coming out here in Christian you know, Bethencourt? It's really weird because I, I remember the heat too. And then I went to you know his various pages and he averaged like 91 and a half. And I just. That's why he only ramped it up for us like once? I don't know. Like, the max definitely uh, is uh, for his appearances. Let me see. I have, there's per game, which is probably just two games. Yeah. The max on one game is 96. So that must have been the time that we saw him. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't even that doesn't even sound like I remember it's nice. I thought it was more than ninety six. I thought we saw Brooks. a ninety seven. Maybe it was a hot ga- hot gun Maybe. that took his ninety six and pumped it <clears> a, a, a mile per hour. Well, in any case, he does have the opportunity to be interesting because he has a whopping twelve mile an hour gap uh, between his changeup and his four seam, and um, well, one in one game it was a twenty two mile an hour gap. I was going to say, what about that 43-mile-per-hour <laughs> gap that he had with an EFIS? Yeah, that was an EFIS. Or whatever that's, it was, I think, I think the breaking ball is the problem. Like, he, he, I don't think he's going to be a starter. But, you know, if the change, um, you know, tightens, I think the change, in this case, needs to tighten up a little bit, actually, probably. But uh, uh, And uh, he needs a little bit more drop on the change. Uh, so... I don't know. There's a lot uh, left for him to learn, obviously. And he, but anybody who can throw uh, 92 and, you know, if he trains as a pitcher, I think he could probably average 93, 94. That could be an average reliever right there. And he, he wasn't doing it as a, as a, uh, as a batter. Uh, you know, there was, the reason they got him was, you know, possibly some defensive stuff. But uh, uh, for his career now, uh, 44. 46% worse than league average uh, with a terrible strikeout rate, a terrible walk rate, no power. I mean, you, you, they already have that first off in Austin Hedges, right, Christian exactly. Bethencourt. Like, they can't have two <clears throat> catchers who are just so inept with the bat. And so it's just not going to work for Bethencourt as a hitter at this point. I don't think there's any, you know, even accounting for the fact that, yeah, it's 482 plate appearances spread out over basically three seasons. He had one in 2013. Dude, was this um, already happening at the end of the season? It says here that Betancourt intercostals through a bullpen session Saturday. Yeah. Because he's warming <laughs> up to go to the... Uh, the Arizona Fall League? 
to go to no Panama Winter League. Oh. So how sick would that have been if we'd gotten yeah. to see him? That would have been awesome. And that's by the way, that's my bummer about the Schwarber thing is that uh, you know we, it's yeah, cool that he's in the World Series. Him, yeah. I really like it, but we didn't get the chance to see him. Yeah. Maybe they'll send him back after that. You need more reps. Like you just played in the World Series. Now go beat up on these losers in the yeah. ball. <laughs> Um, okay, so Bethancourt, you know, just keep an eye on him. We're not saying that he's fantasy viable just yet. It's an interesting story. But you throw that hard. We've seen these transitions before. This is not something that's that's so far out of the realm that it can't turn into something really good. Sergio Santos, if you'll recall that name, injuries really felled him. But he was a good closer for, I think, a couple years before, again, you know, injuries just really got the best of him. But he made him, you know, he gave himself a bit of a career uh, with at least one thirty save season, maybe two. I know he had one for the White Sox, but then again, injuries just kind of um, hurt him. That, Sergio Sergio Santos. He, oh, he but that's another... a shortstop, I think. Then yeah, shortstop transition. Uh, one you might not remember, uh, Mott. Jason Mott. Yeah, I was going to say it. Damn it, that's that was it. another catcher. Jason Mott. That was another catcher who who, who moved. So you know, th- th- this and, can uh, definitely bias, work, even though he. He's a terrible pitcher to watch because he's got the slowest pace in baseball. But Pedro Baez of the Dodgers uh, yes. was a third baseman, I think. Imagine his throws over to first. <clears throat> they took it. Every, everyone was safe on a routine grounder because he took forever, and that, that's why they had to just say, "Listen, you, you can't." No, I'm kidding. Obviously, um, last bit. This one might strike you a little bit, but actually he's going to get picked up. So I, I don't think it's going to necessarily be too bad, but John lamb oh, was sad. DFA'd by the reds. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, a guy sad. that we, you know, we talked about Yeah, back issues. And, and it's, it's back issues again. I mean, it's, yep. um, he's going to get another surgery and that's why they're basically releasing him. That's why they might actually end up keeping him because, um, you know, this could be a procedural. Yeah. Like it, they've got to, uh, you know, someone's got to, roster him while he's recovering from back surgery and it's his second back surgery and as you know you know that's not good you know first back surgery like you try to put off your first back surgery as long you're as not, you can yeah you really don't want to get back surgery right because it the outcomes aren't great and they're not always better than than not having it and um uh and then it hurts a lot and it, the recovery sucks so uh that could explain some of what happened this year uh, he lost. Uh, I was hoping that he might either gain uh, some velocity after the back surgery, or at least stay at around average for a lefty. And now he he spent the year around eighty nine, um, which is just uh, you know not that's that's below average. It could have worked for a lefty. It's a little meh. Yeah, and he could have he could have maybe made it work um, if he was like Dan Straley and uh, you know commanded the ball well and really mixed up his pitches well and showed some confidence on the mound. But, and this is kind of a weird one for me to admit, but I admit that it's a problem for me is that there are some demeanors that are so bad that and so and composure, like Alan Webster just never inspired any confidence in anybody who watched him, anybody who played behind right. him. And uh, it exacerbated his command problems. And it just looked like it was never going to work. And I actually, sorry to interrupt. We will get right back to this with uh, John Lamb and Alan Webster. Kyle Schwarber, not cleared to play the outfield. <laughs> they tried it. You it's lived along happening. with us, man. It was. Uh, you, yeah, you guys just, got to go uh, through the roller. You guys are going to know all this by the down. time you're listening yeah, to it, but you're watching us get all this news live. So, so yeah. it's going to be pinch hit duties. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, just want to get that. So, back, back to Lamb uh, so, and you're comparing I mean, him the to Webster. That, the things that 
I like about him are still there in that he has a change with a 15 mile an hour gap. He has a riding fastball. Got a nice uh, hammer. That huh? He's got a nice hammer too. Yeah, and then and a nice big hammer. So uh, it's a little slow at 68, but mm-hmm. everything's a little bit slow. Um, so it's not impossible to make that work. And the per pitch outcomes on all those pitches are good except for the cutter. Uh, and even on the fastball, it's okay. He just gave up a ton of home runs on that changeup, which maybe you're just hanging them. I don't know what the, what the, what the problem is. And the cutter is not that good. So, um, you know, he is looking for that sort of harder breaking ball, um, and he hasn't necessarily found it. But uh, this is the kind of guy that at least he has the change in the curve uh, and the riding fastball. You know, I, I'd be giving him a chance if he, if he didn't have the back problem. So we'll have to see how much the back problem matters. Well, he's been around so long, you may because of his prospect status. For those of you that kind of follow right. prospects, you might feel he's older than what I'm about to tell you, which is just 26 years old next year. Yeah. So, so yeah, and that's you know the younger you are when you have these surgeries, the better your outcome. So there's a there's a chance that this works out, but um, you know I might have him talk to a sports psychologist. People don't remember this about John Smoltz, but there was a time when he lost like you know 15 games, and people thought he was never going to be a pitcher. And people thought he looked terrible on the mound, and that he, you know, could lack composure and stuff. So, uh, well, two, two more recent cases of of situations that kind of got off the rails mentally: Zach Greinke and Zach uh, and Danny Duffy, both on yeah. the same team, the same team that John Lamb started. Maybe Casey ruins people. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not trying to make light of of mental anxiety stuff. But um, you know. Granky had his issues, kind of went away, came back. Danny, Danny Duffy, I think, retired or at least said he was going to retire, stepped away, got himself back on track. So it can be done. It's just a situation where, you know, if he, if he seeks the help to kind of get over that hurdle and, and, and get himself cleared mentally on the mound, then John Lamb, I, th- I still think, has some talent. Yeah, so we'll see, we'll see what happens with him. You know, at this point, uh, I'm dropping him uh, off of my all leagues, twenty team, twenty eight keeper league, so uh, dynasty league. So <clears throat> he's more of a guy that uh, you want to hear that he's going to the right place. You probably want to hear that he's going to a national league team in a nicer home park, and then you also, on top of that, want to hear uh, that either the surgery went well or um, that he's probably wait till after the surgery, and uh, so. Just a name to remember, not necessarily to roster anywhere. Yeah, just keep just keep on your radar. Unfortunately, kind of going through this with him, it looked like he was kind of done with KC and popped back up in the in the Johnny Cueto trade. So keep him on your radar, but you can cut him in all leagues, even dynasty formats. All right, you know, let's talk some World Series here. Close up. Chicago gets the split in Cleveland, which is pretty huge. You know, the the, the kind of adage is a, a series doesn't start until a home team loses. Because if you're holding serve, even if you go down 0-2, uh, if you're holding serve, you, you got a shot. You can take it to 7, and then every all bets are off. Well, now it's 1-1 going for 3 in Chicago. What are, your, what are just some of your general thoughts on those first two games? Um. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, uh, people were talking about like you know, uh, were these uh, so uh, were these games such you know, mismatches in some sort of way that you know the outcomes came that way? But I don't, I don't feel that that's what happened. It's just sort of when the runs came. You know, it's not, it's not that the Indians spanked the Cubs in the first game and the Cubs spanked the Indians in the second game. It's more yeah, those games know, were close and then yeah, ended up. You know, I, I don't even know. Four nothing. You get a two run homer, and you know, like there's a there were a couple close moments, even in last night's game, which kind of a snoozer. Um, 
you know, there was a couple moments where, you know, the Indians had guys on, and if someone hit a homer there, then, you know, we would have had it, you know, a little bit closer at the end, so. Yeah, you were ready to change it over to a trash movie. <laughs> and we told you to just leave, leave the game, you know, see it through. It's just nine innings. Just see it through. Um, I did write a piece today about how, um, you know, we saw a lot about the front door sinker. And yes, I'm very intrigued by that. Tell, tell us about the front door sinker. So the, the front door sinker is the sinker that you throw. If you're a righty and you're throwing to a lefty, you throw it at their hip, and it looks like it's going to hit them or, or be inside off the plate. <clears throat> and then it, it, it goes across the plate. That natural movement, the arm side movement, takes it across the plate. So Kluber really nailed it and, and threw Rizzo a ton of those and threw Fowler a couple of really good ones and I'm not going to lie I think that the uh the one the first gift that you posted I'm really surprised Appleman and Cameron let that on because I didn't know we were going to put that sort of lewd stuff on the website <laughs> but if that's the direction we're taking it it explains why I got full time if that's we're going to go that blue <laughs> that's it, the knee, it explains the knee buckler knee buckler to to Fowler that kind of looks like it's going to hit him in the elbow and then it's and devastating gets, so yeah, and, and when you watch it, you're like, oh, man, everyone should do that. That's amazing. Um, but there's a couple problems with it, uh, and, it and it isn't a trend. It hasn't, uh, you know, the, there there haven't been more front door sinkers over time. In fact, last year there was uh, the least in the last uh, in the last five years. So, um, and the, there's two things that, that happen. For one, you only get strikes, even on strikes on those pitches, you only get strikes about 40% of the time. So... Uh, the the umpire is predisposed to not calling it a strike because it looks like it's not a strike until the last minute. Sometimes it'll cross the front part of the plate, not a strike, and and find the plate after that front part of the plate. Robot umpires. Yeah, robot, robot umpires would catch that, but uh, but the <clears throat> the human ones only get it forty percent of the time. So so when you're throwing that strike, you know if it is a strike, you normally throw any other strike, you get about eighty percent. You know, eighty eighty five percent. So you're losing half of your ability to get an actual called strike, even on a strike. So that's that's um, a little bit um, uh, scary there. And then um, <clears throat> on top of that, the uh, the woba on balls in play uh, for those is around 400, uh, 380 to 390 uh, to 400. So that's uh, you know the average woba is like 312. So. Balls put in those balls when they're put in play are put in play with authority, and I think the thing is that you really want to take on that. You want them to think it's not a strike and to take it and uh, and to cross the zone um, as a as a strike, a taken strike. So when they swing at it, they're like Anthony Rizzo last night, where he'd seen a bunch of front door sinkers from Kluber. So when Bauer threw one, it was a well executed one, just caught the inside corner, but. Rizzo took a different kind of swing, uh, altered his hands a little bit, cleared his hips out quicker, and uh, and hit a double. And uh, you know, it, I guess it could be easy to adjust to because it depends on you to take the pitch. So if you decide I'm going to swing at that pitch, I'm ready for that pitch. I'm here. Here I come. Then you're going to do some something with authority on that. So um, it isn't necessarily a trend. The one thing that's changing a little bit is that the inside part of the strike zone is opening up. Uh, there's, they're, they're calling more strikes there a little bit over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if that starts happening and the called strike percentage goes up, then you know, it's all like a, a give and take, right? So if you, if you think you're more likely to get a called strike and 
especially if you think they're in take mode. If you're against a team that's taking or just you're, the day you're pitching, they're starting to take the, the pitches a lot, then you start throwing those front door sinkers. We may see a little bit more of it next year. That's really interesting. And uh, you guys can read that page on the uh, that piece on the front page that Eno does, and you can see that sexy gift that I was talking Which, about. And we're going to see a ton of It's going to be weird to have this piece come out and say the front door sinker is not a trend because and tomorrow. We're going to see a bunch more. Hendricks, Kyle Hendricks is the king of the front door sinkers. Yep. So. And, then, and then game four, Kluber will be right back at it again mm-hmm. with the front door sinker. So, so. we're going to see a ton of it. But, you know, uh, the, Kluber may not do that again because he, doesn't, he didn't do it a ton during the season. And it was kind of an it was kind of a reaction. So I think a surprise probably, thing. Yeah, surprise, and then also, uh, you know, hey, these guys are taking my pitches, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think if you, you that's what you have to do is you have to watch. So I think for Hendricks, it might actually behoove the Indians to be aggressive and uh, to try and hit those fastballs before he can set up the changeup away, which is. Uh, his swing strike meant. Yeah, you're going to be in trouble on that. Uh, last bit here. Cleveland has decided to go full bore on the three-man rotation. But Bauer and Tomlin are going to go on short rest in those games, you know, should they come up, of course. Um, and I already mentioned that Kluber's going to go on game four, in game four on short rest. How do you feel about this decision for Cleveland? This was the way that they were, they were going to win. I mean, it, yep. when, when Paul Hoynes wrote a piece saying the Indians are out of it and they're screwed and uh, he actually had to jump into the uh, into Lake Erie because he he made a, a bet that day that they wouldn't make the World Series. Um, when he wrote that, I wrote a piece for ESPN saying, "No, no, they have a chance. What they have to do is this." And and one of them was Kluber has to be Bumgarner. Uh, the other one was they have to ride their bullpen, and the third one was that their offense has to find different ways to to make offense happen. And I think we've seen all of that. We've seen uh, them scoot around the base pass a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw them push it with Lester a little bit, and um, we've and seen doubles. Fantastic. And we've seen bull- we've seen doubles and singles and homers, and um, yeah, and the bullpen's been fantastic, and they've been riding the crap out of Kluber. So um, you know, we're, we're, Kluber also is interesting because you know normally starting pitchers get about a half mile an hour um, on the fastball, and uh, I actually got messaged by somebody in baseball saying that. Uh, Jason Schmidt once told him that uh, all of a sudden it's like you find three or four ticks on your fastball that wasn't there before in the postseason. Oh, wow. Um, which, you know, that's, that's interesting that Jason Schmidt said that because we had John Smoltz on this very podcast saying that he thought postseason innings were the, the worst thing for you. So and wouldn't those two kind of fit together, though, if you're ramping it up that many miles per hour? Yeah, slagging your arm. And remember how amazing Jason Schmidt was, and then how he was toast. Yes, uh, in a just, in a in a flash, in a, really in a flash. And he was a jump off guy. Yeah, a jump they, off, I should say. And they and they really they really rode him uh, in the postseason. And if he was really throwing that hard, I don't think he's in our databases necessarily. But um, uh, and then the the, the Kluber's Kluber's more around one mile an hour. It's not you know three or four ticks. That would be like Edinson Volquez last was like a last year's big jump jump and. Uh, he was like uh, one point five or something. It, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was a substantial jump, and he was pump, He was sitting like ninety six, which you know we've seen him hit that in the past, like with Cincinnati. But for him to be living there in the playoffs last year, it was pretty electric. Yeah, um, Kluber's more course, like sitting ninety four when you know sitting ninety three and a half when he was you know sitting ninety two and a half during the season kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, no, but you know I do think that's a big deal for him because his fastballs are not very good. 
So if he can get anywhere he closer he gets to 94, the more he makes his worst thing passable or good, you know. I think I think that makes sense. But I might be um, out on Kluber next year. I'm not I I just think that uh we had the the bad beginning of the year. Uh we have another year of age. Well, and he still he still has blow-up outings that yeah. are just not befitting of a two-time Cy Young winner. That's right. I'm giving him the Cy Young already. <laughs> Famous last words. I, um, and I just feel like he's going to get that sort of Bumgarner bounce where he's going to get drafted in like the second and third rounds with like Noah Syndergaard and Max Scherzer and stuff. I, I was going to ask you if he wins. I mean, even if he doesn't, I think that this playoff performance is giving people that maybe not haven't had a good look on him that play in mixed leagues or AL always they get to see it once you see it it changes things the numbers don't always jump off the page at you but when you see what he's able to do I think that might he might get a little bit of hype as well I agree and if he does win a Cy Young on top of it I think you're right he's gonna go in second second third round reaching I'm not reaching for him because right now you know 9k9 is not what it used to be and no uh, not at all and he makes his he makes his living a little bit more on the command side than the stuff side, and I'm just a little worried that you know pumping these 94s now is is gonna you know if he drops down to like 91 and a half next year, or you know doesn't clear 92 next year with the fastball, then we're gonna start seeing them hit the fastball better. I think. Well, wasn't he the and, leader of your bad fastball club? Well, he's 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 the best player to ever come out of the bad fastball club. Exactly. So. Yeah, he was the, uh, not only a president but a member. Yeah, right. so, so. Uh, he's uh, so you know, and then you know he had that uh, was it the uh, uh, intercostal or groin or something? Yeah, um, what did he have? There's something at know. the end of the season where yeah, he, it was he, a groin. It was a yeah, groin. so um, I mean, we all have groins, I guess, but uh, that's true. But his was hurting. His, his was hurting. So uh, I, I think that. Um, a quad. It was a quad. I think there's, there's. I don't know. There's, you know, another year older and, and not necessarily something that I would pay more for going forward. You know? I have a confession. I don't know what a quad is. <laughs> I'm just gonna well, be it's a it's a Belgian beer. It's pretty pretty strong. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, okay. You bring uh, some bring some there. Are you are you doing a beer bring? Oh yeah. Is it Eno's annual beer bring? I will. I'll bring some. I'll bring some field work. By the um, way, you know what? I, I, I messed up earlier. I said, listen, if you're in the area, come down, uh, you know, come over to Phoenix for a game. Honestly, if you're in the area, come over to Phoenix for the after game situation because yeah. it's, it's around 10 o'clock when we're done with the conference for the day and we're done. We're getting back from the game. That's when things start popping off, when Eno starts bringing out the, the, the five win beers uh, yep. And everything, and the poker start, game gets uh, going. The poker game gets going. Yeah, yeah. And, that's. And I mean, that, that's honestly why all of the writers come. <laughs> that's why you should be there more. So, like, listen, the games are great. They're fun. We can get we get to sit anywhere we want in the middle of the afternoon. They're usually sunshiny, excellent afternoons. I'm still on board for for suggesting you come out to that. But if you only have to pick, can only pick one thing. Okay, I can go over there one night and hang out with the guys. Dude, Make it Friday night or Saturday night. Friday night or Saturday night. Go, go to uh, the game that night. That's uh, closest to. Well, yeah, closest you can, to you our, can his well, help, but we can tell you which game it is. But go to the game and then, and you then know, back to the hotel. Yeah, I think that's 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 the way, to, the way to do it. 
All right, Eno, that's going to wrap up episode 400. I hope the folks enjoyed it. Uh, there will be no episode on Sunday. Jason's traveling. But don't forget, next week, we're doing a lot of stuff from Arizona, so you'll get that. And then once we're back Facebook from Arizona. lives, live podcasts. Regular schedule. Part of the announcement with the, uh, me going full-time is an extra podcast. So we're going to be doing three to four a week throughout the offseason and then four a week for sure in season. So yeah. look forward to that. That's going to be uh, more guests coming. Uh, for those of you that enjoyed having Paul Costavon, Paul and Paul, we'll be, we'll be cycling him in. And, of course, Jason. And I'm trying to get rid of Eno, guys. He can't hear this. Don't worry. I'm trying to get rid of him. <laughs> but in the interest, uh, if I can't, he's still going to be on the show. Yeah, maybe kidding, maybe we'll know. try to have some uh, more players on, like Smolty. That was uh, that was really good. that was great. That was great. And I know yeah, that maybe we can... uh, I could get like Dan Heron. Uh, I would love that uh, because we could probably he's get Sean Doolittle or uh... he's killing Twitter. By the way, Dan Heron, yeah. you're not following him on Twitter. I'm not sure what your life is right now. I'm not sure what you're doing. <laughs> Last tweet that made me laugh. He said, uh, two years ago, I beat Corey Kluber one nothing." Yeah. Uh, today I walk two pugs with a pug life shirt on. Life comes at you fast. Life comes at you fast. <laughs> so good. So good. That tweet alone should tell you that you need to be following Dan Heron. All right, you know, until next week, uh, I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. <laughs>